Read it out. Someone who's found it, read it out for me. Conveying a moral, all right? So it's a, it's a story that conveys a moral. It's not a, it's not a fact. It's, it's fictitious. It's, it's not, it is not a reality. It's a story, a made-up story. And always having a point, always having a moral. You know what we call, you know what we call some of those things nowadays? Superstitions. Traditions. In the Hispanic culture, we have a lot of those. <laughs> I think I told you all the story of when my, my, my uh, daughter, Michael, was, uh, oh, she, she wasn't even, I don't think, uh, two years old. I don't, she may not even have been one. But uh, she had the hiccups. And I mean, she's just a, well, she was never that little. She, <laughs> she was always pretty, you know, hefty, hefty, hefty. But anyway, she... Uh, my dad had her sitting in his lap at his house, and she had the hiccups. Well, you know, she's hiccuping, hiccuping, and I look over, and she has this red dot on her forehead. And I'm like, hey, Pop, she's got something on her head there. He's like, yeah. He said, I put the red string on her forehead. I said, would you put that? Would you try? She's not, in, she's not Hindu. He says, no. He says, you put that red a thread, you put a red dot or something on their forehead, and it takes the hiccups away. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I, I walked over there, I slapped that off of her head. I'm like, I said, don't be, don't be entertaining demons with my daughter. But you know, it's a, it's a fable, it's a superstition, it's a, it's, it's a, 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 a way of, of, of our culture. I, rem- I remember he tried to break out an egg one time when she had a fever. He's gonna rub an egg all over. I'm like, Crack that egg, put it in a pan and eat it. Don't be putting it on my kid. That's demonic. That's demonic. But anyhow, um, there's, there's been something that's been stirring in my heart, you know, about uh, where, and we've been talking about navigating, uh, navigating the realm of the spirit, navigating this current season so that we can end up where God wants us to be so that we don't get lost in a, in a very unusual time. You know, we are, we are a generation of people that God uh, has shown up. You know, we, we, we know because of church history that God showed up with great revival and has shown up with great revival, not only in our nation, but all over the world, you know, we can, we, we, can, uh, we can talk about 1906, you know, the Azusa Street Revival, the 1950s Healing Revival, the Charismatic, well, you know, different, different, different kind of moves of the Spirit where the fire of revival fell. But we are a generation of people that are kind of sandwiched in between moves of the Spirit. We've ha- we have, the, in the past, there has been revival And then we have the promise of a great moving of God's spirit, a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Do do y'all know what I'm talking about? There is still talk of revival in our nation, is there not? In fact, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what stream you follow. It doesn't matter what camp you belong to. It doesn't matter what what, uh, church you go to. Uh, Everyone has their hope and their faith in a coming move of God, a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost like has never been seen or experienced here on planet Earth ever before. Right. Amen. Amen. 
And it's, 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 it's church-wide. I mean, it doesn't matter what denomination, doesn't matter what stream. Everyone is expecting revival. Everyone talks about what God has done and talks about what God is going to do in the days to come. Now, when you're sandwiched in between moves of the Spirit, sometimes that can be difficult because you're hungry and you're thirsty for God to move. In fact, there's a, there's a scripture in the Word that talks about um, the, uh, um, the children of Israel, that after they came out of the wilderness and after they entered into the promised land and they... Uh, um, it became old hat. They got settled. They were, um, they rested on their laurels after coming out of the wilderness and coming into the promised land. And the, the scripture, the scripture goes like this. We have, we have heard with our ears the things that you did for our forefathers, God, the great things, the miracles that you wrought, the power that was demonstrated. You know, that's, that's kind of our generation. We've heard about the miraculous. We've heard about the supernatural. We've heard about the demonstration of the power of God. Now, now I know some people say this. Well, you know, we see the supernatural pretty regular. We go to church and we go to meetings where the supernatural happens. Yeah, but not on the level, not on the level that has been seen and not on the level that will be seen. Did anybody come to church this morning? What, 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 trouble, what troubles my heart many times when I'm, when I'm ministering at different churches is I look, I look, over, I look over people and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing people and, you know, I, I can tell people are hungry and thirsty for a moving of the Spirit. They're looking for God to do something, not just a little bit more, but exponentially more than what he's done because we have a promise of more. We have a promise of greater. I mean, the Bible says in the last days, God said he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters would prophesy. Old men would dream dreams. Young men would see visions. And on servants, on handmaids, he'd pour out of his spirit that there'd be signs in the heaven and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun would be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Amen. You know, I mean, we, we, we hear that, we see that. I think because we've heard it preached and we've heard people talk about it and we've heard messages concerning it, only to be disappointed with so much less. So much less than what our expectations were built up to. Praise God. We're gonna break. We're gonna break through here in a second. Oh yeah. Amen. Amen. You know I don't know why this happens every now and again, but I, I do know this: it sucks. That's right. And if and if you'll get if you'll get with me, and determine that we're gonna end up where the Holy Ghost wants us to end up, we'll get there. Oh yeah. Amen. Amen. Another another. And here's why I'm here's here's why I'm saying this, because we're we're in a strange season, and I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the church at large. It's not just us. You know, some people handle it differently, though. Some people want to put on, and they want to, you know, they want to crank things up, and they want to, they want to hype things up in the natural. 
They try to make it more exciting, you know. Uh, they, you know, uh, they'll hire an organist or a piano player, or you know, they'll get real animated and they'll get to, you know, or they'll try to work it up, you know, by prophesying over people, giving people what they want, you know, giving the consumer what they desire. And you know what? That's not working out too well. That's not working out too well. Because you know what? We got church growth, but church growth isn't happening because of the lost getting saved. Church growth is still happening because there was a mass exodus out of one church and people just went to another church. I'm, 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 again, it, it, uh, it, it burdens my heart to say it, but Winter's Church, most of the growth that we experience doesn't come because we had an influx of the lost that got born again. But we know good and well that that's God's desire. Jesus, the reason why God sent Jesus was so that he could seek out and save that which was lost. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. God wants the kingdom to grow, but he don't want, the, he don't want churches to grow uh, because this, these people left this church because they were put out with Pentecostalism. So they decided to go to a seeker-sensitive church because they can get lost at the seeker-sensitive church and they don't, they're not made to feel bad. And, you know, they're condemning people over here. And, boy, you know, I used to go to the Spanish church. I don't go to the Spanish church no more because those people are ridiculous. And, and I mean, you know, all, all, these, all these reasons. I, you... you Give me a hundred people, you have a hundred different reasons. But you know what never changes? God's plan never changes. God's idea never changes. God's thinking never changes. The vision that God has for his people for the last days, it never changed. You know, you know uh, those, those children that talked about the things that God had done for their forefathers in the Bible, that they had only heard about it, but they hadn't seen them with their own eyes. Do you know that it wasn't God's fault that he wasn't, that, that, these, that, this gener- that that generation hadn't seen the same God of their forefathers? Some of you say, is it my fault, Brother Ziggy? Is is it my fault that we're not seeing these things? Well, let 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 me tell you something. I think it can become our fault if we're not careful, which is why I started talking about this navigating, navigating the spirit, navigating this current uh, the, the current situation the church finds. Now, here's the thing. There's not a whole lot of people want to talk about this because they, nobody, nobody um, it's, like, it's like COVID, when COVID was happening. Nobody wanted to say there was a problem for fear that people would panic. We become so accommodating of men, so fearful of how men might react, so fearful about the actions that they might take. You know, uh, when, you, when you hear President Trump talk about why he dealt with the, the COVID uh, thing the way that he did, uh, I personally think that he handled it uh, in the beginning, probably handled it better than what it was handled after they let that little, you know, weird doctor come up and start talking. But anyway, um, I, I, I honestly think that, uh, uh, you know, a, a downplaying or a minimizing of what was happening was, was in order. Do you know why? Because they didn't know nothing about what was happening. And so people, people began to take drastic measures. They began to make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. They began, they began to say that, they, be, they began to predict the loss of life before they even knew what the disease was. How can you predict how many people are going to die when you've never seen this before? 
Well, it's based on what we're seeing. Yeah, but, you know, uh, something happened in New York that didn't happen in Oklahoma City. Probably because they started jabbing a bunch of tubes down people's throat in New York and people were dying because they were putting them on respirators, not dying because they, were, they had COVID. Anyway, that's, that's a, we'll, we'll argue that on another day. But, but you know what? There was, there, was, there, was such, there was such a difference between what was happening in California and what was happening in Texas. What was happening in New Mexico? And, what, and you say, well, Brother Siggy, how do you know that? Because I wasn't at home locked up. I wasn't in front of a camera on my couch in front of a camera talking to people. We were in an airplane flying from one end of the country to the other right in the middle of COVID. Right. And things were not like they were on television. Things were not like they appeared. But you know what? It, that, that, ought to, that ought to teach the church a lesson. We, we, ought to, we ought to learn something from that. We, we ought to learn something from that. We ought to learn something about the attitude of men. That if we're not, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can be seduced into making permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. And I'm, I believe that's what's happened in the church. I believe that some of us are, are beginning to settle for the way that things are right now, and the way, here's how we're settling. We're settling by trying to create our own glory, by trying to create our own manifestation, by trying to create our own environment, by trying to create our own. I mean, you go to churches and, and, and a part of their advertisement is come and have, come and come for a, an encounter. Well, what kind of encounters are they? Are they God encounters or are they an encounter with my methods of ministry? Because certain methods of ministry can be rather spectacular. Isn't that right? Bam! Bam, bam, bam! You know, that turns some people, that turns some people on rather than, you know, someone that just kind of prays silently in the spirit. You know, some people, they can get with that. But other people, their personality is wired that if you go, bam! That it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit them different. And just the fact that you prayed and said, bam, and you didn't pray traditionally is enough for some to say, now that's God right there because that's, that's, that's different. Oh, so because it's different, it's God. We use a lot of different, a lot of different, you know, the church, when, it, when they told us to shut down during COVID, we shut down because, you know, um, uh, <laughs> I haven't talked about this in a while. I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but I'm going to because I, I sense in my spirit that I need to. I was at an Assembly of God church. Now, if, if you are a, uh, if the Assembly of God is your darling, I... I'm praying for you. <laughs> I have nothing against the Assemblies of God. I go to many Assemblies of God churches. There are many fine Christians, believers, many fine spirit-filled people in the Assembly of God church. 
But I just happened to be at an Assembly of God church when, this, when, this, uh, when, the, when uh, the government began to say, we need to shut things down. We need to quit gathering. We need to shut down uh, churches. We need to shut down restaurants. We need to shut this, this and that down. Now, before the government ever came out with that man, you know, those kind of mandated things, we were at a church. We, had, we were in our 11th week of revival in Holland, Ohio. We were at an Assembly of God church. Before the government ever said a word, the pastor of the church that we were at and the overseer of that region and the Assemblies of God, he came to me after one of the meetings. He said, hey, have y'all heard about this thing? They're, they call it uh, coronavirus, COVID, uh, COVID, this, this sickness. Yeah, I heard about it, but so what? Well, you know, we just, I just got a message from, um, the, you know, from the district uh, in Springfield, Missouri, you know, they're sending out word to the churches that uh, there's a possibility that they might shut us down. I was like, why? Well, because uh, the Assemblies of God is, a, is afraid that they're putting themselves at risk of litigation if someone becomes sick in one of their services or in one of their churches that it might mean that they'll get sued. And so we're kind of trying to feel it out here and trying to figure it out, but we may have to shut this revival down because they want us to limit our liability. All right. Now, you know what? Bible says, you know, the truth, the truth will make you free. But when men believe that you can't handle the truth, <clears throat> they'll try to spin it in a way and present it in a way that will make it sound good enough for you to go along with it. So we end up going to Megan's church. It's not, she's not the pastor of the church, but her, it's the church she attends. In the middle of that revival, we went over there for three days to Bethesda Worship Center. By the time we got to Bethesda, we were sitting in a restaurant while in, at, at Bethesda Worship Center. First Monday, we were, we were there Sunday. On Monday, we're sitting at a restaurant, and it comes over our phones. Uh, Indiana is shutting down all restaurants, all public gathering places. It's all being shut down. 2 p.m. today, everyone has to be shut down. I looked, at, I looked up at our waitress. I said, it was 1.30. <clears throat> I said, are, are they shutting y'all down? She goes, no, not that I know of. She went back to get our drinks. When she came back, her, she, she, she looked like she was about to cry. She said, they just shut us down. We have to be out of here at 2 o'clock. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a job after today. Indefinitely. I don't have a job after today, indefinitely. I don't know what's going to happen. I remember looking across the table at Pastor Harris. He says, what are we going to do? Now, listen, you have to understand you, you, how your pastor works. I get hyper-focused on what God said. And when I get hyper-focused on what God said, I don't hear a whole lot of anything else. Right. And so I knew that God had sent us to have revival. I knew God sent us to have revival. So when he said, what are we going to do? I was like, well, what do you mean what are we going to do? We're going to do what we're doing. He's like, well, what if we can't? What if they won't let us? I said, who are they? And why are we going to let them tell us what to do? Go ahead now. 
But see, Pastor Harris, he's built different than I am. Pastor Harris, is, he's a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm a prophet. And so I function in, I function in, I function in a different way. That my, I'm, I'm wired differently than he is. So it was appropriate for him to think the way that he was thinking. So by the time, by the time we went, we were go, getting ready to go back to that church. <clears throat> Do you know why they were shutting down? They weren't shutting down the church for, for uh, they weren't shutting down the church for fear of being sued, which was the truth. Now it's for your safety. We're shutting down the church. For your safety, we're shutting down the church. You know what? That's the biggest mistake. That's the biggest mistake that ever could have been made. Nobody knew how safe or how... No one knew how safe or how dangerous it was. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. But you know what? You had a whole bunch of people that lined up in Washington to act like, I mean, Dr. Fauci himself is saying, we don't know nothing about this disease, but this is how you handle it. How do you tell us how to handle a disease that you don't know nothing about? How do you tell us how we can avoid getting sick when you don't know how to avoid getting sick? You, you, yourself, you, yourself said, you yourself said, don't wear a mask, and then about a month later said, everybody put on a mask. Three months later, you say, everybody put on three masks. I, am, I swear, I know there were some people who wore those masks in the shower. Now, don't get, listen, don't get mad. You say, you're anti-mask. No, I put that mask on every time I wanted to go someplace to eat. I had no, listen, I didn't have no problem playing their little game. Oh, so you were a super spreader. Everybody was a super spreader. Dear God, people learned to wash their hands in 2020. All the toilet paper disappeared. All the, what were you doing prior to this time that you didn't need the toilet paper? Well, go ahead now. Oh, that's right. My God. <laughs> uh, of all things to happen during a pandemic, a toilet paper shortage. Oh, my God. People were gathering that stuff up like it was gold. That's right. Listen, Ted stays stocked up. He was, listen, he... <laughs> Ted had a big trench coat. Ted gained, we thought Ted gained like 500 pounds. He had a trench coat. He opened it up, just rolls of toilet paper. He's like, <laughs> he's like Lenny from Good Time. My name is Lenny. Anybody remember that guy? Anything you want, I got for you. Penny. <laughs> but we had people, we had people that were reactive to something instead of really, you know, and, and here's the thing, church, I really think our nation would have been a lot better if we would have, if we would have just waited to see. Well, people would have died. People die every day. That's right. You know what? There are people dying right now. There are more people die from eating too many cheeseburgers than die of COVID. All the people that died of COVID don't match the people that died because they ate 
uh, three too many Big Macs. But no one was getting donuts slapped out of their face. No one was slapping Big Macs out of you. No one's, you know what? No, th- cigarettes have killed more people than COVID ever thought about killing. And they didn't take the same drastic measures against cigarettes that they took against COVID. Does that, does that not make sense? You, do you know why this, it's not, it's not, some people, some people, especially in church, I've got to, I'm, I am going to make a point. Some of you like, what's the point? I'm going to get there. I'm about there. I'm about, because I finally got you on the same page here. You ever ask yourself why? Why wasn't there that strong of a stance taken against smoking? Here, here's now. Listen, what was that? Yes, or abortion. Why didn't they do something about Chicago? Chicago has been terrible for years, and don't tell me you can't fix it because they fixed New York City. It can be fixed, Detroit. Yeah, but here's the point. You say now. Now here's where we get. Here's where we get it wrong. We we're like, it's because it's a conspiracy theory. Listen, some of you that are conspiracy theorists, it it has nothing to do with a conspiracy theory. It's not. It's not that the government is working. Oh, they're they're this evil genius. Listen, they're not smart enough. They're not smart enough to stay out of debt. They're not smart enough to cheat in secret. They cheat out in the open and they just keep lying to you until you believe their lie. But it's not a conspiracy theory. You know what it is? It's something that's developed in our culture. Something happened in the attitude and in the mindset of of our current culture that allowed some of these things to happen And, uh, and honestly, church, we're, we're, the, we're, the, we're the solution to the problem. It wasn't a conspiracy theory that got people, that got people off. It was, it was a generation's willingness to adopt a permanent solution for a temporary problem. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to declare something to you, and it is by the Spirit. We are getting, we're getting ready to reap the harvest of the seeds that were sown during the COVID. Now you say, well, haven't we already? Well, it started, but it's about to get where some, some of the largest companies that we thought would be with us forever. Some of them are about to disappear because they made it this far. They made it this far struggling, just trying to, trying to get by. And with, with, you know, financial aid from the government, help from the government. They've been able to make it. But some of them, now, now, that, now that the culture has changed as a result of these permanent decisions that were made, there's some things that aren't even going to exist anymore in the way that they exist. And we, we've, we've been okay. We've been okay so far. But I mean, have you been to, have you been to McDonald's lately? I mean, have you been to some, some of those places? Some of us, we haven't, and we don't, we don't know how much things have changed. Nobody wants to work in these places. Nobody wants to go to these places anymore. People have quit going. Uh, Annie and I found, uh, found out that people aren't going out to eat as much as they used to. It's good for us. Because we don't have to wait so long in line. 
You say, well, are you going to quit going out to eat, Brother Ziggy? No, heck no. I, I don't have time to you know, stop and fix stuff at the house. We're going to keep going out to eat for as long as there are places open. But things are, things are, things, things, things still haven't, we, we still haven't really seen the result of all that went on in 2020. We're, we've, we've still not seen, that we've not seen yet how it has impacted, impacted this nation and the world economically, how it's affected the way that we are going to respond in the future. I do know this. I do know that in the church, What, it, what has happened with us is instead of us embracing more of the truth and believing more of the truth, what we've done is we've adopted the, the, the Fauci methods. Don't tell anyone anything that might send them in a panic. Don't tell anyone anything that might keep them from coming back to church next week. Just keep up the facade. Just keep acting like it's getting better all the time. Just keep having fire tunnels and slapping people on the head. Just keep prophesying over people. Tell them anything. Just tell them something. But don't let them leave here without telling them something because they need to hear something and we need to tell it. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe what we do is maybe we need to preach the word. Instead of telling everybody what they want to hear, maybe we ought to tell them what they need to hear. Instead of telling everybody they're prophets and apostles and called to ministry and everyone's going to have a big ministry and be known and they're going to go all around the world, maybe we need to tell them the truth. Maybe we need to prophesy and say, uh, if you'll come to church, you'll make it. If you don't, you're not. If you'll, if you'll get in the house of God and you'll sit under the instruction of the word of God, then there's a possibility that you will make it to the end. That when it's all over with, you'll stand before God and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant in whom I am well pleased. But you know what? There's a 50-50 shot because there were 10 virgins. All of them had oil, but five of them didn't have enough. All of them were getting married, but not all of them. Not all of them were prepared. You, I know some of you are saying, Pastor, what are you preaching today? I'm preaching something that I hope will shake some of you out of your lethargy. That will begin to break you free from the idea that we come to church like, like we go, like, that, that we come to church with the same attitude that we go shopping with. To scratch an itch. To fulfill a desire. To consume. Pastor, this is all I have to make me feel better. Listen, you can, you can feel better about life when you know that you're, when you, you know you're doing the truth. Amen. So going back to what Paul said, and I, I need to, my God, I've, I've just gotten an introduction. Let, let me try to, let me try to, man, it took me this long just to, it, it's only Sheree, right? Come on, oh, you got time. Take your time, Pastor. We got all day. <laughs> She's like, I already ate. Go ahead. 
<laughs> Even Ted wasn't with her. Even Ted wasn't like, yes, that's right. Go ahead now. No, Shree's like, go ahead. Ted's like, I need a, I need a biscuit. I need a biscuit. <laughs> what, Paul, what Paul told Timothy, I think, is a word that we need to hear. Preach the word. Preach the word. You notice how he didn't tell Timothy, heal the sick. He said, preach the word. Preach the word. Notice how he didn't say, raise the dead. He said, now... Is healing the sick wrong? No. You know what? I encourage you all regular to lay hands on the sick so the sick will recover. But that's not what Paul told Timothy. And, and here's why he told Timothy is preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Timothy must have been going through something. When you read that second book of Timothy, you know good and well Timothy was going through something. He was going through a trial. He was going through a difficulty. He was going through a season where things didn't look like the prophecy that he why, why, do you, why, do you think, why do you think Paul told Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was put in you by the laying on of my hands. Stir up that gift. Don't forget what was prophesied over you. Don't forget what I told you. Don't forget that I'm your daddy in the faith. Don't forget that I'm praying for you. Don't forget that I'm going to battle with you. Don't let them despise your youth. Don't let them shut you down. That's why he started it out this way. Because you know what? Timothy had done. Timothy had done what all of us have been told to do. Listen, we ought to, they're, they're, the preachers ought to be encouraging us to get out and to preach the gospel to every creature. Heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. Freely you've received, freely give. But I'm going to tell you something. We're not seeing devils come out. We're not seeing a whole lot of, we're seeing a few sick people healed. We're seeing a few bound people get set free. We're not seeing any dead raised. There's church. I go to. The, I know some of you've been to conferences. You've been to. You've been to big meetings, mega churches. You've heard these preachers preaching. I can go. I can go to. Do you? Do Y'all realize that the mega church makes up less than two percent of the church. Oh, amen. 75% of the church are churches of a hundred and less. Nowadays, a church of 125 is considered a large church. Nowadays, they're looking at the megachurch as an anomaly. But you know, do you know who, do you know who influences the whole of the church more than anybody else? And, and, it's, not, and it's not because they've got more anointing and more power and, and all of that. The megachurch. 100% of the music we sing comes from six megachurches. 100% of the worship that we participate in has its source from six churches. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. 
It's because we've been taking guidance from people that look like to us that they're successful. Because they have butts in the chairs. Because they have big numbers of people. Because when we go there, there's, a, there's an energy, there's an excitement, there's an encounter. We have an encounter. But what's the source of that encounter? I went to a KISS concert and had an encounter. Listen, man, when you, I was at, I took my dad last time they were here, end of the road tour, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. Me, and, I think Andrew went, I, yeah, Michael and Twyla went. We went, man, when you, all of a sudden, whoa, that's all you hear. Oh, all right, Oklahoma City, you wanted the best. You got, man, I was having an encounter right there. Chill bumps was coming up on me. You wanted the best. You got the hottest band in the world. Kiss. You know, and then that curtain drops and explosions happen. And you got 70-year-old men in, <laughs> in seven-inch high-heel platform shoes and wear more makeup than your grandma. I mean, people made fun of Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye didn't have nothing on Kiss. And that, that, that may have been the, the thing that was, a, and I mean, these guys are coming out of the ceiling on platforms. Explosions are happening. I mean, Gene Simmons has these dragon boots. And he, you know, he come out, step to them. I got a guitar shaped like an axe. Get up and get your grandma out of here. Pick up, old Jim is working hard this year. Baby, do the things it says to do. And then Paul, do it! <laughs> you know your man is working hard. Right, you can have all kinds of encounters. You don't have to go to church to have them. But see, we've learned how to give people encounters, but the reason why many are giving them those encounters is just to get them back through the door. Just to generate some interest. You know, you can grow anything. Pastor, your, your pastor said this to me one time. He said, you know what? We can grow, you can grow anything. He said, I can grow your bottom lip. I said, how? He said, just, I'll just sock you in the lip. <laughs> I was like, you know, I never thought about that. He goes, he says, the only problem is, is you have to be careful how you grow something. Because if you have to punch it to grow it, to sustain it, you're going to have to punch it again. And you're going to have to punch it again. And you're going to have to punch it again. And you're going to have to punch it again. And eventually, it's going to have long-term consequences that are not favorable, that are not, you can't sustain growth that way. You can have growth that way, but you can't have healthy, sustainable Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm trying to get across to you. God doesn't just want us to have some kind of growth and some kind of... God wants us to have something that is sustainable, something that can be continued on by the next generation, something that we don't have to injure people in order to get it done, that we don't have to prophesy Trump's going to be elected for another term and, and then double down and say, yeah, well, he didn't get in. Uh, you know, I know he didn't get in, but come April, something's getting ready to happen. 
and then April come and they doubled down. No, no, it wasn't April. Uh, I heard A, so it must be August. So in August, something's going to happen and everything could get ready. Uh, look at your calendars. It's coming in the month of August. Then August came and it's like August of 2022. Listen, you know, you know the church is in trouble when we won't even fess up when we're wrong. When people that are seemingly the most influential with the loudest voices are declaring something that it is, it, it's, as plain, it's as plain as the nose on your face that they missed it. But some of the people you were sitting to on Sunday would not accept the day after the election, would not accept it was stolen from us. That's not what was, you know what? Where was the prophecy of a stolen election? If those prophets were so accurate, where was the prophetic word that there would be an attempt? <laughs> oh, I'm about to throw something right now. What is God schizophrenic? God's an idiot? God doesn't know what to say that will encourage and, 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 and uh, uh, edify and, uh, and spur on his people to finish the race? Go ahead, man. I'm preaching right now. But see, that's made it, that, 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 whatever it is, that spirit, I, I think it has to do with what Paul was telling Timothy. You know, when you go through difficulties, the devil will try to come and tell you a lot of lies. You know he will. When you start going through difficult, I mean, I, I can't, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this. After I got born again and God delivered me from demons, one night I woke up, you know, some of these younger ones, you're going to have to hear this and you just have to trust God. We need to start, we need to start growing up some kids that can fight the devil. One night I went into my bedroom. I'm a teenager. This was about two or three months after I got born again. I was awakened. Listen to this. I was awakened out of sleep because I was being tossed around on my bed. And I could feel the presence of an evil spirit. You say, how do you know it was an evil spirit? Well, I felt like I was going to die. Immediately, immediately. I knew I should never watch The Exorcist because immediately... That was what I thought of. I thought, man, this is like a scene out of The Exorcist. I thought if green pea juice starts coming out of... <laughs> pea soup tries to come out of... I'm done. I'm done. But I'm being, I'm being shaken. I'm, I mean, I can feel the presence of an evil spirit. You know what else I can feel? At the very same time, I can feel the presence of the Lord. And so I'm aware of the fact that there's something that's not right. And so I'm like... Lord, what do I do? And I mean, I'm being shaken, bounced all over my bed. I'm being shaken. I said, Lord, what do I do? Out of my spirit, I hear the Lord say, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I didn't even know what it meant. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Right. When I said that, it, 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 it slowed and it stopped. But then I felt it come again from my toes. It came again. And I started getting saying, I had to rebuke it again. And I had to rebuke it again a third time. After the third time, it left. And it didn't come back. 
I was praying. I was like, Lord, what was that? He said, that was those spirits that left you when you got born again, coming back to try to take you back. He said, did you think they were going to let you go easy? Then I, I started, someone had given me a book. I started reading it about three or four months later. It was a, a book of a woman. She had the same experience that I'd had. And she related in the book, she said, the spirits that had controlled me when I was in witchcraft had come back to try to take me back. You know, the devil, he'll, he doesn't he like it much that some of you departed from his ways. And every time, even, even though you get far away from it, every time you find yourself in a hard place, he'll try to get you to adopt something of your old self. That's why when Paul was talking to Timothy, knowing he was going through a hard time, I'm going to finish this up. Knowing he was going through a hard time, he, first thing he said, he didn't say heal the sick. He didn't say, he didn't say cleanse the leper. He didn't say raise the dead. He didn't say have a fire tunnel. He didn't say, uh, he didn't say uh, uh, you know, all fall, everybody fall down. He said, preach the word. Then he told him this, be ready, be instant. Well, well, throw that up there in the... Throw that up there in the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, amplified, thank you. <laughs> he said, <clears throat> amplified, herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. You know what? This morning, th- th- and maybe that's why I'm preaching this. This morning, there's no sense of urgency in here. See, and I'm not, re- I'm not rebuking you. That's not what I'm saying. We don't know. You're unaware when you lose your urgency. You're unaware. You don't realize it's happening. You don't know what's going on. You just think you're just, oh, well, you know, it's just one of those days. Well, it's awfully hot and humid. Man, you've been hot and humid and had a great time at Whitewater. It's not just, it's not about hot and humid. It's not about, that's not what it's about. Well, you know, we, we had a struggle this morning. Listen, there have been times we had a struggle, but we didn't. It, there's an urgency that has to be maintained by us. And you know what? It's hard to maintain a sense of urgency when you're going through a battle, when people are persecuting you, when people are questioning you, when you're going through that difficulty like what Timothy was going through. They're looking at him and thinking he's too young. He doesn't know enough. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Timothy has a promise, a promise of a gift, a promise of an anointing, a promise of a ministry. Paul's having to encourage him. Remember, don't forget the ministry. Don't forget the gift. You know, that's what I'm doing here today. You know what I'm telling you right now? Sebastian, don't forget the ministry. The devil want to tell you God changed his mind. God hadn't changed his mind not one bit. He's never going to change his mind. Do y'all hear me? God's never going to change his mind about you. He's never going to change his mind about what he called you to do. He's never going to change his mind about the gift that he put in you. He's never, Jasmine, you, you're not going to get him to change his mind. Amen. That's right. 
That's right. Never. If you go out and get drunk and you're, you, get, you get stoned or you get wasted, guess what? When you come back to your senses, he will not have changed his mind. Amen. You can go and you can sleep with 100 people. And when you're done sleeping with 100 people, guess what? He's still not going to have changed his mind. You can go gossip against your brother, gossip against your sister. You can, you can sow discord. You can sow division. You can do all kinds of stupid stuff. And guess what? When you're all done with all of that, he's still going to be there, and he still will not have changed his mind. That, that's why in times like this, it's important that we maintain the urgency, that we preach the word. That we be urgent about it. And not, not urgent about it because we're trying to work ourselves into a place where we can all fall down. Now, where we're encouraging one another, whether I fall or whether I don't fall, I'm standing. I know th- this is what God said in the last days. This is what God said. The dead will be raised. The sick will be healed. The bound will be set free. The lost will be saved. Jesus will come back. He will take us home. Amen. I know it don't look that way now. I know it doesn't look like that's the direction that it's going to go. That's why Paul told Timothy, be urgent. Maintain your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready. Remember when I preached this? I preached live ready. Yeah. Live ready. Live ready. Is it, have, you found it, have you found that it's difficult to live ready? I have. Yeah. I, I have. Because we get busy. <laughs> Am I the only one? Am I the only one that gets to the middle of the week and I'm like... Is it already my morning to pray? <laughs> you know we got to. You know what we've got to do during we during those times when we we seem like we're, and again. This is not a rebuke, church. I'm just trying to equip you with something that will help you. Because some of us, you know, what we end up doing, we end up beating ourselves over the head and feeling bad and condemning ourselves because we feel like we messed it up. No, listen, you didn't mess it up. You just have to understand. And then we got, and then we got people that are like, oh no, everything's good. This is, we're in the move of God. Those poor people that, you know, trying to, you know, live ready. And I mean, like somehow or another we're off, you know, because we're contending for the faith. Because we're not, you know what? As much as, as much as I appreciate the joy of the Lord, I know that's not what revival's all about in the last days. But there's some people, oh, you, know, you know, it's all about joy. It's unfortunate you don't have joy. Oh, no, I have joy. It's just that's not all I want to have. The kingdom isn't just joy. It's one-third joy. I want the other two-thirds.
Last night I talked, I talked about this. Now I'm going I'm to try to wrap this up. I'm going I'm to end up in the middle of a cornfield. He waited till I walked away. I've seen God do such extraordinary things in my life. (laughs) I've watched him open blind eyes. I mean, as a teenager, I laid hands on a blind woman in Hera. She clicked in with a cane that had six inches of red. I mean, she was blind. I laid hands on her, prayed a prayer I had heard on a record album. Some, some people don't even know what a record album is. <clears throat> I prayed a prayer that I had memorized off of a recording from a preacher from the 1960s. I just recited his prayer because I didn't know a blind prayer. I put a handkerchief over this woman's eyes because that preacher in the 1960s on that record album had put a handkerchief over the woman's eyes. I was just trying to do my best. You know why? Because God God had to do what he was going to do. Otherwise, it wasn't going to happen. When I pulled the handkerchief off that woman's eyes, God had opened up that woman's blind eye. I mean, she, she couldn't even see me before I pulled that handkerchief off of her eyes. She stood there for a minute, scared me to death. Man, I'm telling you, I, I probably turned every shade of purple, orange, red. But I mean, I, when she reached up and grabbed my nose and shook my head back and forth, I knew she could see. God opening up her blind eyes. You know what, you know what I remember about that day? Not one person that was in that building left unaffected. There is coming a move of the Spirit. Now, now, hear me, hear me. Nowadays, we can be in meetings in one or two or four or seven people. You know, they're like, oh, man, that was great. The rest of us are like, man, I'm going to get mine tomorrow. You have... You know, four or five thousand people there, and maybe you know half of the half the crowd receives some you know some supernatural encounter from God, some supernatural touch from God. But in these last days, the way God's going to move is that when He shows up, there won't be one that'll be unaffected. If there's a thousand people there, a thousand people will see Him. If there's a million people there, a million people will see Him. See, what we've, what we've failed to realize is that God wants to do something on an extraordinary level that we're not yet seeing. And if, and if we won't contend for that, if we keep accepting less, we can't have the more. <clears throat> That's why Paul was telling Timothy these things. Church, do you, know why, do, you know why it's impor- do you know why it's important for you to get in a church and plug into a church and stay connected to that church? I know, I know for years people said, yeah, because pastors need, you know, they need our help. They, they, feel, they feel, you know, they're insecure and feel bad when people don't hang with them. That's not, that's not why you need to plug into your, well, you know, he just, he just needs to feel, you know, he's just full of himself. He just needs to feel better about himself. Uh, he's, he's only in it for himself. Do you know why it's important, Angel, for us to plug in? 
Because when we plug in, it starts messing with all the stuff that hangs us up. When you plug into a church and you start hanging around the same people all the time, you know what's going to happen? They're going to get on your nerves. Marissa, listen, Marissa's going to get on your nerves. Michael's going to get on your nerves. Did you hear that? Yep, back there. Yep. That was quick. Believe it or not, Ayla's going to get on your nerves. Sweet little Hilda's going to get on your nerves. Raphael, one day, Raphael, man, he be looking like Mr. Mr. Clean, boy. He look good. He look good, but if you hang around, he'll get on your nerves. I mean, something's going, Titus, Titus will tell off on you in children's church. He'll, he'll, He'll request prayer for you that you're mean, like he did for me. But you know what that does when you have to navigate that? When you have to, when you have to start adjusting your life. Oh, go ahead now. See, we, we live amongst a people in a generation that they don't want to adjust their lives for anyone. I was watching a bunch of woke people on, on a video that they put on TikTok or some reel and they had all gathered together for a meeting of all the woke. Do you know that the most of that meeting, you know what most of that meeting consisted of? You know what most of it was crazy. Uh, I'd like to make a motion that we not clap because there are some of us that get overstimulated with noise. And so we need to be respectful of our constituents. Did you see that video? And please, no hissing. And then they're getting mad at each other. I told y'all I can't stand that. Yeah, okay, if we'll just, just kind of lift our hands. Yes, and if you will ask people to refrain from moving their hands too much because that overstimulates, you know, me. And, I, and please use the proper pronouns. If you're going to address people, if you could please use the proper pronoun. And so people are introducing themselves and then giving out the pronouns that they desire to be called by. At the end of the meeting, they're like, well, we've run out of time. Well, yeah, you've run out of time for trying to accommodate all this nonsense. Go ahead, man. Boy, that's right. Here pretty soon, they're not going to be able to live with one another. You know why? Because they don't tolerate. They don't tolerate anything different. They want their way. Right. Well, where do you think that came from, church? Why do you think secret sensitive churches are packed to the gills? Because people can go there and they can go at the time that they want to. They can go to a church where they know what time they're going to get. Listen, y'all came here and you're still like, dang. It was one of the decisions we had to make, huh, David? I mean, when we were going through trying to develop the culture of this church as leadership in this church, I said, 
What, what can we do? Do you know what, the, you know what one of the one, number one things was that everyone agreed that if we did it, it would help us? If we had a start time and an end time. Because people want to know when they're going to get out. But when you come to Winter's Church, listen, some of y'all thought, I, I was all like, oh man, you know, I got to wind down. If you hadn't been here, you thought you were going to get out here in a minute. If you've been here for any length of time, you're like, eh, he didn't say closing, so let's, you, you got me goldfish. <laughs> you know what the other thing was? Preach in a way that people can follow me with an outline. If I could just put an outline and then hand it out to people at the door and they could follow along and I could just, if I would just stick with that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This, do you know this church would grow if we did that? Now, maybe not with some of y'all staying here, but there would be... There, <laughs> but that's, a, that's attractive. Now, some of you don't believe that, but there, you know what? When we... Our koinonia did a whole lot better when we overstructured our koinonia. When, when, when I said, in fact, I'm still having to deal with this now. At 8.30 on Wednesday nights, people want to be out of here. Because when we had koinonia at people's houses, we set a time between 7 and 8.30. And now 8.30, unconsciously at 8.30, those that were a part of that structure, unconsciously at 8.30, they disconnect and they're ready to go. And you know, that was a part of why our koinonia was successful because you knew when you were going to arrive and you knew when you were going to leave. And you had an outline and the outline was followed. You knew what was going to be talked about. You knew and because you knew, you felt safe. When I come up here and I said, this, this atmosphere sucks, I could see the look of terror on y'all's face. Like, what will he say next? I don't know what he's about to say. But do you know what that develops in us? It develops the ability for us to be able to, in, to hope all things, to endure all things, to navigate all things. All of a sudden, when things come at us that, that in another time would have been complex because we because we settled in, because we hunkered down, because we went through it with people, because, we, because we, we went through being offended, because we went through the struggles, because we stayed when it wasn't, when, when the dead weren't being raised. Go ahead, man. That's right. We worked out a lot of issues, yeah. figured a lot of stuff out. Now, all of a sudden, we're equipped to be able to accommodate God when he shows up and he doesn't just show up and touch one person, but when he shows up, the whole is ministered to. You know what's, you know what's coming? You remember when Paul was on the Damascus Road? I'll, I'll stop with this. Stand up so I know I'm finished. Is my beautiful son here? Yes, he is. Come on, my beautiful son. You remember that story of Paul on the Damascus Road? Y'all remember that story? Paul was on the Damascus road. The Bible says while he's on this road, a light shone out of heaven. 
a, a big bright light. The, the light was so strong, knocked him to the ground. And then a voice began to speak out of that light. Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that amazing? Now here's what's even more amazing about it. Is that when this happened, the Bible says that not only did Paul see the light, but everyone that was with him saw the light. That not only did Paul hear the voice, but everyone that was with him heard the voice. There's a move of the Spirit that's coming that, Gil, you know, there have been a time or two during revival meetings where it seemed like God was moving all around you and he just skipped your chair. And Gil left here perplexed, wondering, thank God. That's how that ought to affect you. You, you. you responded right. When you feel left out, you ought to be like, I, I didn't get mine. Heck, if you'll fight over an everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> it's Willy Wonka. Remember when, when Veruca said she didn't get her gobstopper and they're like, she's got two, he's got two. Anyway. That's an appropriate way to act. But Gil, the move of God is coming in a way like what happened with Paul on that Damascus road. That when God shows up in his church, that it's not just a few that encounter him. But when he shows up, everyone sees him. And everyone hears him. And everyone is impacted as a result. That's what God's looking for. God's looking for a way to show up so that no one leaves unimpacted. Amen. That the encounter that you have won't be an encounter because of the talent of the musicians, because of the energy that came out of worship, because of the charisma of a speaker, of a preacher. Because a group of people got around you and prayed and was saying, hang on, let go. Hang on, let go. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to get you for that. That really is where he wants to take us. But you know what we have to be willing to do? We have to be willing to get away from superstitions, fables. Stories that make us feel good for a minute. <laughs> One of the things I talked about last night, Rachel was like, Pastor, I never heard this. But we were talking about things people said and did that were unscriptural in church. That we, that we embrace. Totally unscriptural, but we embrace it. And the one thing that Rachel was talking about, we, we talked about pleading the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Boy, I mean, I've heard, I've heard so many people plead the blood of Jesus. You know, you can't find that in Scripture. Right. Now, I'm not rebuking anybody. I'm just saying, uh, the, it, it was a good idea somewhere. Someone, someone, someone said it, and they heard it, and they were like, mm, that sounds good. I plead the blood of Jesus. 
So someone got up, and, and after they heard that one person say it, they said, they got up, and they got in front of a group of people. They said, I plead the blood of Jesus. And someone got a goosebump when they said it. They're like, ooh, that sounds so good. I plead the blood. Do you know what pleading the blood accomplishes? Absolutely nothing. It makes you feel good because it sounds, you know, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against. I said that last time. Remember that song? Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus. Well, we sang it too. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. It's true. The blood of Jesus. We, we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. That's right. But the Bible's clear why we defeat him with the blood. Because the blood washes away every sin. Right. Blood was shed for our sin. Right. Pleading the blood over someone because they got a headache, that's not going to do much for them. But there is something that the Bible says you can use to get rid of a headache. It's the name. The name is way more effective than pleading the blood. Some people go Old Testament when, when, when it comes to dealing with the devil. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, because an angel said it one time. Well, you know what? That's, that's going to be extremely ineffective against the devil if you try to use it. You know why? Because Jesus said you're supposed to cast out devils in his not, not by the blood, in his name. So in his name. You know, the devil likes for you to waste time on fables. To say stuff that makes you feel good and has no effect. But boy, you get a revelation of the name and you start being like, well, in the name of Jesus. Satan, in the name, not by the... No. Not, not the Lord rebuke you. I rebuke you. I command you in the name of Jesus. Well, listen, you start, you start doing something then. Go ahead now. But we gravitate toward a lot of that stuff. Prophetic painting. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Don't, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Just call it what it is. It's painting. But when you, when you start showing people picture to give them an interpretation of, you know, what is the Lord saying in this painting? Someone has the interpretation. Or, dear God, I'm not even going to go there right now. But anyway. <clears throat> Can, can your paintings be, can you be anointed to paint? Yes. I think that person that painted that picture back there might have got the anointing on them for a minute. Because they couldn't sell that painting to nobody except for us. <laughs> That's why we got such a great deal on it. <laughs> yeah, can 
people can people be anointed? People can be anointed to paint, can't they, Lynn? But you know what? When we try to make it prophesy, prophesy on the drums. That's you know what? That that makes people feel good. Is it really a prophecy? Well, no, because you know what? It's unscriptural. You can praise him on the. Amen. See, some of y'all's cows are dying right. This is why you need to be plugged in somewhere. Somewhere where people preach the word. Do we want Tegan to get back there and get anointed on the drums? Do we want her to have an anointed drum solo at some point during worship while she's, while she's worshiping God here at Winter's Church? Absolutely. I hope she breaks out. In fact, you know what? If you break a window while you're doing it, uh, we'll replace it. I'm not saying try to break a window, but if it happens... You know what I mean? If it happens. <laughs> but we're not gonna get we're not gonna get out of the outside of the Bible. We're not gonna get into fables and just because it makes us feel but just because it makes us want to come back again. Some people some people will gather with a group of people that they gather with because all of them get to say something. You get a chance to preach. You get a chance to preach. You get a chance to preach. You get a chance to be. You're going to prophesy. You're going to prophesy today and then you're going to prophesy and you're going to prophesy and you're going to do it. And you're going to do it. Because God says, Ayabahata. And we like that. You know what no one likes to hear? You're going to sit and you're going to listen. And you're going to hear the word of God preached. And maybe your ministry will go to you seemingly completely unrecognized. But without it, where would we be? Who's going to take that up? Well, y'all did. And sometimes it was hard because you had aspirations for other things. Nikki, you've done that here in this church. Tyler, you, listen, there's a whole season that Tyler flew under the radar. He was, he was youth pastor. He was an elder and then went through a difficulty in his life. And then he fell completely off the radar of leadership in this church. But guess what? He didn't drop out of this church and he didn't, and he didn't quit being effective. When nobody was watching, when no one, when, when there were no pictures being taken, where there were no recordings being made, when, when he was not seen, I've heard people actually tell people, they're like, what church are you going to? I'm going to Winter's Church. Do you get to preach much? Do they let, do they let you preach? Because, you know, we got some openings at our church, if you know. You getting to do any ministry? Well, yeah, you're going to get to do your ministry. And that may or may not be behind the pulpit. Y'all know, I, I guard the pulpit of this church, not, not in an ungodly way. I just don't think not everybody belongs behind the pulpit. I, th I, think, I, think that, I think that we ought to bring a sacredness back to the pulpit. I think, I think that the pulpit ought to be reserved for those that carry an anointing to be behind the pulpit. If you want an opportunity to minister, we're going to fill this parking lot full of people 
in the coming months. And opportunities will abound for you to do ministry right here at this church. Will I, will I get an offering? Well, I mean, if you, if you eat a hot dog, that's an offering. David will give you a hot dog. If David sees if David sees anyone ministering, I'm going to instruct him to give them a hot dog as a, which is much more than I received early on in my ministry. Amen. I don't know that I made the point, but I think I made a couple. Did this help anybody here today? I, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not not. Some people are going to leave here and say. They don't believe in, in painting at that church. They don't believe in painting. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not going to put somebody up here while I'm preaching. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. That could, that could seem unkind. I'm not being unkind. I've seen people with extraordinary talent, and I really believe that God anoints some people to, to, to paint, to write, to, to do all kinds of things. But we've, we've got to put it where it belongs. Can I give you one more example? I promise I'll quit. Worship leaders. This kid right here, he's never going to get up here and establish doctrine. We're not going to look to him to lead us when it comes to the word of God. He's not a preacher. He is a worship leader. Nowadays, worship leaders have been elevated to this place of leading the church. No, that's... If, if there was a dog, that would be the tail. And the dog wags the tail. The tail don't wag the dog. Things have to be a, amen. Well, you make it sound like that there's a, there's a way of doing things. Yes. You make it sound like there's some kind of order or something. Yeah. And scripture makes it clear what it is. And when, when you hang out in a church and you hang out with people that are determined that they're going to preach the word, they're going to be instant in season, out of season, that they're going to reprove, rebuke. I didn't even finish the scripture, but anyway, it's in there. That, that all these things are going to, you know what happens? You, you build a strong, well-rounded, ready, a ready church. A church that when difficulty comes, people aren't saying, ah, I hear the Lord telling me it's time to go. Yes, Lord, I'm out. Heck, you'll be sick and still come to church. That was, that's Tyler at Revival. He's like, man, I was sicker than a dog, but I wouldn't miss it tonight. <laughs> Bailey. I mean, she's not here this morning. But man, Bailey went to church sick last night, boy. She was there. She almost puked everywhere, but man, she was there. But when you're hungry, when you're hungry for God? Heck, Gil was, Gil was trying to go from work to Shawnee and then back to do a men's thing. I didn't know how he was going to do it. I couldn't even do it. I didn't know how he was going to. He ended up being wise and just doing the men's thing. <laughs> 
but I appreciate the effort because when you love the Lord when you when you want God to knock the stuff off of you that's what you do go ahead now Father I thank you for your people I thank you Lord that they're going to be instant in season and out of season that they're going to be ready they're going to live ready they're going to maintain an urgency an urgency glory to God hallelujah they're going to be preachers of the word and they're going to wait on you God Lord we're waiting on you that's right we're not going to try to manufacture something. I refuse, God. I'd rather flip burgers at McDonald's for the rest of my life. Yes. Than live in a world of hype. Yes, that's right. Of powerless, fruitless, fable-telling. Someone ordered, see, someone already ordered some uber eats someone did someone, someone's uber eats who ordered food here <laughs> it's usually eric <laughs> it is like eric will slip out and then he comes in with a couple bags <laughs> sits down he's like <laughs> maybe he had it set on schedule and he forgot to unschedule it <laughs> hey if Eric had some food dropped off bring it in so we can split it <laughs> this week I want you to think about what I said let's be those that change the culture and don't follow the culture let us be those that are determined that we're going to entertain what God wants to pour out in these last days. That we're not just going to play patty cake and be uh, satisfied with the telling of fables and the believing of nonsense. But that we're, we're going to create a place for God to inhabit I want, I want people to come into Winner's Church and if God shows up for Rachel, everyone sees God show up for Rachel and experiences something because God came to touch her. Oh, yeah. I've seen that happen in my ministry over and over and over again. That, that, that's the beauty. That's why I'm telling you. I've seen it happen. I've witnessed it. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like going to church and knowing that everyone that attends, no matter who they are, no matter how resistant, no matter what they're thinking, God's going to touch them. Every one of them. That's what we're headed to in these last days. Father, as we prepare to go, Jesus, y'all need, need to pray for me. Lord, I pray that your people, you reach out and touch someone real quick. Just reach out and touch them. Lord, as we lay our hands on one another, I pray, God, that your spirit, I pray that your spirit would rest in a greater measure upon each individual that's in this place today. God, I loose your spirit in this place in the name of Jesus. 
to touch, to encourage, to empower like never before. Lord, we're entering into a new day. May, may, we, may we find that way. May we know that way because your spirit leads us in that way. And may your name be glorified in all that we do as a result. May the gospel be preached. May lives be changed. May Jesus be glorified because of what you do in us. So, Lord, we thank you. As we go from here, go with us. Let your spirit touch people through us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody that believed it said amen. Amen. Listen, tonight there's an anointing service. Amen. Praise God. Tonight there's an anointing service in Shawnee.